Imagine, if you will, for just a minute, what it would be like if you knew and if I knew the exact day and hour that Jesus Christ was coming back. Imagine if you knew that on Monday, 3 o'clock Central Time, Jesus Christ was coming back. If you knew, he called, somehow he let somebody know. It wasn't just CNN. By the way, if anybody tells you that they know, they really don't. That's what the Bible tells us. But imagine if we really did know that. What do you think the last 15 minutes would be like for you? What's going on at 2.45? What's going on at 2.30? What's going on the last 24 hours? What's that? What's going on? What are we doing? What's our life like the last? I see smiles on people's faces just thinking about it. Because here's the deal, folks. You and I, we do not know the day and the hour, but we do know that he's coming back, right? Some of you got that. You do know he's coming back, right? Hallelujah. I th- I, so I thought about that for a minute. I thought, well, okay, what would the last 24 hours of my life be? You'd think I'd be out, maybe, I think I probably should go out and wash my truck, right? Get a fresh coat of wax on it. I should get some of that ceramic coat wax on my truck because that's going to make a difference, right? Probably not. You know, according to Scripture, we have, in the New Testament alone, there are 260 chapters. In the New Testament, there are 7,950 plus verses. The return of Jesus is mentioned no less than 318 times. Let me put that into perspective for you. If you averaged it out, at least 1.2 times per chapter, we hear about the return of Jesus at least once every 25 verses, there's something said about the return of Jesus. God does not want us to not know. He doesn't want us to be caught off guard. He doesn't want us to be surprised. He's not trying to hide this thing. His son is coming back, right? The Bible says he's coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle. Listen to what John says. John chapter 14, starting in verse 2. There is, this is the New Living Translation. He said, there is more than enough room in my father's house. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I am going to prepare a place for you. When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. That's Jesus speaking. I don't know about you, but when I came to Christ back in the early 80s, there was the whole Left Behind series. Anybody watch the Left Behind series? The goal of that whole thing was to try and scare the hell out of you. It worked for me. Uh, then there's this present darkness series. Uh, Frank Peretti came up with that a little bit later. I remember, you know, the bumper stickers, things like, in case of rapture, this car will not be manned. Um, there's another one out right now I just saw not too long ago. Normal isn't coming back, but Jesus is, right? How many of you have prayed, Jesus, come soon, come soon, come soon? Hey, hey, keep your hand up for a minute you've prayed that prayer look around now look around I want you to look around okay so here we are 40 years later 40 years after I accepted Christ anyhow and I remember praying Jesus come soon I am so grateful that Jesus didn't come 41 years ago because you know what 
I wouldn't have been ready. We pray Jesus comes soon. Bible talks about, in the book of Revelations, I believe it's tw- chapter 12, we re- we've read about um, that travail, the earth is going through travail, there's great travail, like a woman in labor. And we see that today going on in our world. It's like things are getting worse and worse and worse. It's like these, these labor pains start and they just don't stop. They get, they get worse and they get worse and they get worse. And, and things seem to get worse as the, as the labor. Now, I've had the privilege of, privilege, is that how I say it? Why having my wife going to labor four times? <laughs> I've got to observe this four times. Now, I don't quite remember, I, 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 I don't remember any one of those, but my, my memory's not the best anymore, but I don't remember any one of those who are saying, I just can't wait for labor. Bring it on! That's not the way that goes, right, ladies? Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo! We get to go through this for 12 hours again! Woo-hoo! That's not, I never, okay, I have a buddy who, uh, he, he was living with, he and his wife were living with his in-laws. They were living in the lower, in the lower apartment and the in-laws had the upstairs. And, and this friend of mine honestly sleeps like a rock. It's like you just hit a light switch and boom, he's out for 12 to 14 hours. Just out, out, gone. His wife is nine and a half months pregnant with their first child. And my buddy is sleeping. He's, he's dead to the world about two o'clock in the morning. She starts going into labor and it was so loud that her dad was upstairs timing the contractions. She's, ah! And my buddy's out, man. He's just out. He doesn't know nothing. And so it's 15 minutes apart, and then they're 10 minutes apart. And at about five minutes, the dad is thinking, you know, I should be hearing some rustling downstairs, but I'm not hearing anything. So he goes downstairs, and she's like, oh, I just can't take the pain. I don't know what's going on. He's like, you're in labor. Where's your husband? He's sleeping in the other room. So the father-in-law goes and wakes the, you got to get up and get your wife to the hospital. So he wakes up in a panic. True, this is a true story. He wakes up in a panic there in downtown Rochester, and he's got to get her to the hospital across town. And about every time she has a contraction, she, he's, this is how he described it. He said, I'm driving 60 through town, and every time she has a contraction, she climbs over the top of my head and tries ripping my ears off. (laughs) I never want you to touch me again. Don't worry, I don't want to touch you again. She's screaming and squealing, and they're going through town, and they get to the hospital, and he says, I pull into the hospital, and the sign says, delivery's in the rear. Well, I'm thinking baby. So he drives around the backside of the hospital. He's beeping on the bell. doesn't realize at this point he's on a loading dock and they come out with a two-wheel dolly <laughs> and so he said by the time he got up they came with the wheelchair and got her around then they made him drive around the other side go and get her registered by the time he got in it was all done he was grateful they did have another child there was a whole lot of duress while that was taking place but but he said I, all I was thinking was delivery you know here's the deal folks There is a lot of travail that's going on in the world around us. There's a lot of chaos that's going on in the world around us. Let me read to you what Peter says about the prayer that I uttered back in the early 80s about Jesus coming soon. The Apostle Peter writes this in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises as some have understood slowness. 
Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but to have everyone come to repentance. You say, well, why hasn't Jesus come? We've been hearing about this. We've been hearing about it. My grandma used to talk about it. My parents used to talk about it. You're talking about it. People have been talking about it for decades and decades. Why isn't Jesus comes? Because he's patient and he's waiting for one more person and one more person and one more person. If I knew that Jesus was coming back tomorrow at 3 o'clock, I can tell you what I'd be doing. I'd be jacking up and energizing every one of you to go out and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Every one of us would be out telling the truth of Jesus Christ if we absolutely knew. And so guess what? That's what we should be doing, right? Because we don't know when he's coming, but we know that he's coming. Every one of us should be about preaching the gospel. Any opportunity that we get, any opportunity, we should be about sharing that truth, right? You believe it? Okay, so right, right. You believe it? Yeah, you're going to do it? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> it's the reality, folks. Jesus is coming back. And here's the deal. Scripture is quite clear. The Bible says it is appointed unto man to die once and then the judgment. So you and I do not get to, nor do our friends, get to go out and live, I don't know how to say this other than just to say it. We don't get to go out and live like hell. We don't get to go out and, and raise all kinds of king. We don't get to go out and be as, as bad as we want to. We live our own way and do whatever we want to. And then after I die, then I'll make up my mind. It's too late. Scripture says, it is appointed unto man to die once. And then he gets to make up his mind what he wants to serve Jesus or not. No. And then the judgment. We have that opportunity to accept Christ now, today. Listen to what Psalms 19 says. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes into all the earth and their words to the end of the world. If you are not friends with Missy and Chris Paskey on Facebook... They live on the edge of town. They catch every weather front that's coming into town. They catch the most spectacular sunrises and sunsets you have ever seen in your life. They put them on Facebook on a regular basis. The skies declare the glory of God. Amen? Amen. I asked you last week, what about the people who have never heard about Jesus? Nature, all in nature cries out. Paul says in Romans uh, chapter 1 and verse 20, since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. I've had more than one individual tell me that their church is, uh, they're, they're, the best church that they have is, is Saturday morning deer hunting because they're out in nature and God speaks to them and it's just so pristine and it's so beautiful and it's so crisp and it's so clear. They just love being out in nature. They love being out fishing. That's because the, the, because the glory of God is declared by all of creation. Now what are we going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? Do we grab a hold of that? Peter goes on. We go back to Peter in uh, 2 Peter chapter 3. 
It says, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything done on it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live lives holy and godly lives so that you look forward to the day of God and the speed of its coming. We ought to live such a glorious life. You and I have the opportunity. I want you to understand something. We have been blessed beyond measure. I remember um, when my son Caleb was 18 and he was working at a gas station. Actually, he was working three jobs and going to school. And I remember thinking, you know, I was really proud of him that he's out working. And so I, somehow I, I found this world calculator, how rich you can be. So we were doing his taxes and I took his numbers and I plugged him into this world calculator. And here he is at 18. And then he was in the top 3% of the world's income bracket. You and I have been so incredibly blessed. I want you to understand this. I want you to understand this. We have been so blessed in physical things, in monetary things, We've been so blessed with our vehicles and our our houses and our shoes and our our closet full of this and our closet full of that and our toys and our guns and our and our golf game and our I don't care what it is with our TVs and our VCRs and our video games and our cell phones. We have been so blessed and yet they are all a distraction. They're all a distraction from the gospel of Jesus Christ. We should live such glorious lives. We've been so blessed. Most of us honestly do not have a care as to whether we're going to get food or whether we're going to have a roof over our head. We should be so grateful to an almighty God that he has blessed us exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or think, and yet most of us are just looking for more. We need to continue to focus on that which is important. If I gave you a deadline and said in 24 hours Jesus is coming back, all of us would put aside the house and the car and the video game. None of that would make any difference. But we know Jesus is coming back. We should be living a life that declares that, right? We need to live a life that declares that. Peter declares in 1 Peter, actually chapter two, therefore, he said, because of all this stuff, rid yourselves of malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander of every kind. Rid yourself of all of that. Rid yourself of all of that. You say, well, pastor, how do I, how do I rid myself of envy? Stop being envious. How do I envy myself of of malice? Stop being malicious. He he actually addresses it in just a second here. Like a newborn baby, crave pure spiritual milk so that you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Peter is telling us it's time to just plain grow up. 
Well, I don't know enough about Scripture to tell my neighbor about Jesus. Open a book. Get in the book. This will tell you all about it. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And you don't have to tell them everything that's in the book. Tell them what you know. I once was lost and now I'm found. I've got peace like a river flowing out of my soul. You know the chaos I used to live in. It's in the book. Look, folks, this is not a difficult thing at all. We're told that we need to grow up. Uh, Peter dropped, we dropped down a few verses in 1 Peter chapter 2 to verse 11. And Peter says, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles. He said, you're foreigners in this world. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. If heaven weren't my home, then Lord, what would I do? Right? Some of those old country songs are pretty good. Not when I sing them necessarily, but they're pretty good. As, as foreigners and exiles, abstain from the sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Listen to this. Live such good lives among the pagans, amongst the ungodly, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. You live such a good life that even if the neighbor wants to come down on you, he can't find any skeletons in your closet. And guess what? If you've got a pile of skeletons in the closet, shut the closet and change your life. Grow up. Grow up. Grow up, church. Grow up, church. God wants us to be declarers of the gospel of Jesus Christ, declarers of the good news. You say, well, people just don't want to hear it. Well, let them find other friends. If they're going to hang around you, they ought to know about Jesus. There's a a business practice called the three-foot rule. I don't have my phone with me. The three-foot rule goes like this. If you're in business, you should have a business card in your pocket all the time. And if you've got a business card in your pocket, everybody within three feet of you should know what you do for a living because you should keep handing it out. Everybody should know what you do for a living. Guess what? As a believer, anybody within three feet ought to know it. And it shouldn't take them long to know it. Well, well, well I don't want to offend them. Well, what's worse? You offend them here or they find themselves in hell. You know, I wasn't planning on preaching like this this morning. But I believe God's calling us to get really serious about our faith. Really serious about our faith. I don't, I don't care if people know that I sell cars or sell whatever, but I care that people know about Jesus because here's the deal we're coming to a time where that decision has got to be made how many of you know how many of you know for sure without a doubt that you have tomorrow how many of you know that your friends everybody that you know everybody that you're around you know that they have tomorrow we don't know it do we we don't know it we get into Revelation chapter 14 and Revelation chapter 15. We're getting to the point in history where it is, it's like, it's, it's, like, it's like the end of the end. We're wrapping things up. I heard the story of a pilot, an airline pilot, and he was having serious troubles with his airplane. 
And so he decided to radio the nearest tower. He's 400 miles. He said, he, here's, his, here's his conversation. Pilot to tower, pilot to tower. We are 400 miles from land and we are 800 feet above the ocean. We've lost three engines and the fourth one is sputtering. Please advise. And there was a brief silence. And then comes the reply. Tower to pilot, tower to pilot. Repeat after me. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You start reading Revelations chapter 14 and 15 and you see we're coming to that point in history. Sometimes there isn't much left but the end. If you remember, I said in Revelations chapter 14 that there's a point as we read in Revelations that there are a people, there are a group of people who are coming to Christ, but there are a group of people who are just plain giving God They're snubbing him. They're flipping him off. They just don't care. They're not going to turn regardless. Revelation chapter 14 and verse 6. Then I saw another angel in midair. Okay, how many of you have ever seen an angel? One time I thought I saw an angel. We can talk about that later. I'm not really sure. Here, it's clear. Then I saw another angel flying in midair and he had eternal gospel to proclaim to those who lived on earth, to every nation and to every tribe and to every language and every people. And he said in a loud voice, fear God and give him glory. Can you imagine? Just imagine for a minute the chaos that's going on and there's an angel swooping through the skies saying, fear God and give him glory. Because the hour of judgment has come. Worship him who made the heavens and the earth and the seas and the springs of water. And a second angel followed saying, Fallen, fallen, Babylon the great. We'll look at that more next week. Which has made all the nations drink the maddening wine of her adulteries. And a third angel followed them saying in a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and its image and receives a mark on their forehead or on their hand, they too will drink of the wine of God's fury. Imagine There's coming a day when angels are going to be sweeping through the sky declaring the truth of God and there are going to be people who just plain reject it and say, I don't care. You and I already know people like that. We do. I know people who just do not care. They don't want to have, hey, I want to talk to you about, I don't want to hear about Jesus. I don't want to hear about that God thing. You go, oh, that hurts my feelings. Listen, Christian, grow up. If they don't want to hear it, that's on them. But you present it. You be the gospel. You be the, 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 advo- the advocate. You be the, the, uh, the ambassador of Christ that we're called to be. Because there's going to come a day that the last thing they're going to hear is an angel going through the sky declaring these truths. Verse 11, and the smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever, and there will be no rest day or night for those who worship the beast and its image or for anyone who receives the mark of its name. You and I have had friends, I've had friends, all I remember through high school after I accepted Christ, telling people about Jesus. And they're like, well, you know what? I don't want, I don't want this Jesus thing to be floating around on a cloud. I'd rather be in hell partying with my friends. Hell is not going to be a party, my friends. Beer is not going to flow freely. You're not going to be sitting, kicking back against a rock, just enjoying acid rock and and beer. That's not the way this is going to be. It's going to be torment forever and ever. It's going to be separation from God. It's going to be fire that's never quenched. 
We need to know what Scripture says. Because if anybody comes to you with that lie, I'm just going to party with my friends. Oh, no, you're not. Encourage them to find out what Scripture says. This calls for patient endurance on the part of the people of God who keep his commands and remain faithful to Jesus. Then I heard a voice from heaven saying, write this, blessed are those who died, or blessed are the dead who died in the Lord from now on. Yes, the Spirit, yes, says the Spirit, they will rest from their labor for their deeds will follow them. You see, we have no excuse. We have no excuse. Nature cries out. There's gonna come a day when nobody has, we have no excuse already. You watch, we're, we're getting ready to, to enter into winter and I know some of us hate the, the 30 below and, but you know what? We you talk about an amazing God. We actually get to walk on water. A <laughs> couple months out of the year. We, that's kind of a cool thing, right? That's kind of a cool thing. I know, I know, but it's 40 below, Pastor. Yeah, well, you get to walk on, you get to put a house. You get to drive your car across cold water. That's kind of a cool thing. That should make you say, hallelujah. Next time you see fish houses out on the ice, I want you to think, that's an amazing, look at how God created this world so that it just gets a little cold for a couple weeks and we can drive on water. What an amazing God. You'll never see anything so beautiful as those first couple snows when it covers everything and everything is blanketed in white. Horse frost at the end of our road. Our driveway just covers completely over. It's a tunnel. When that horse frost, when it's so, so moist in the air and it freezes and it, it looks like a picture at the end of our driveway. I... I, I, I I drive through that on my way to church some mornings and I just I have to stop and just worship the Lord. God is so amazing that, that creation declares his glory and you and I, we need, to, we need to remind our friends about that. We need to wake people up to that. Because there's gonna come a day when there's no excuse for not acknowledging God in all of that. Nature cries out. Remember what I said in Romans about the invisible qualities of God. Romans chapter 1 and verse 18 says, that was in verse 20, and verse 18 says, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and the wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them for since the creation of the world God's invisible qualities his eternal power his divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse for although they knew God they neither glorified him nor they gave him thanks but their thinking became futile and foolish and their hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise they became fools. They exchanged the glory of of an immortal God for images made to look like mortal human beings and birds and animals and reptiles. We've exchanged the glory of God for physical things. And God wants us to acknowledge who he is. Revelation chapter 15. We're gonna start in this and then we'll, we'll pick up on this next week. Revelation chapter 15. I saw in heaven another great and marvelous sign. You remember I told you that 
a few weeks ago or a few months ago that there are 21 plagues that come upon the earth. Revelation 15 is introducing the last seven. I saw in heaven another great and marvelous sign, seven angels with the seven last plagues. Last because with them God's wrath is completed. And I saw what looked like a sea of glass glowing with fire and standing beside the sea those who had been victorious over the beast and its image and over the number of his name. And they held up harps given by God, given them by God. And they sang a song of God's servant Moses and, and of the Lamb. Great and marvelous are your deeds, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, King of the nations. Who will fear you, Lord, and bring, your, bring glory to your name? For you alone are holy. All the nations will come and all will worship before you. For your righteous acts have been revealed. After this, I looked and I saw heaven's temple. That is the tabernacle of the covenant law. And it was opened. And out of the temple came seven angels with the seven plagues. And they were dressed in clean and shining linen and they wore golden sashes around their chest. The one, then one of the four living creatures gave the seven angels the seven bowls filled with the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. And the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power and no one could enter the temple until the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. Next week we're going to look at these last seven plagues and what we call Armageddon. We're going to see what scripture has to say about it. I know this has been a, a long study. We're 23 weeks in, and I appreciate so much you coming back week after week and, and hearing what I believe God has to say. This week, I think what he would tell us is that it's time for us to grow up and continue to declare the truth, continue to declare who he is, continue to warn people. If we knew tomorrow that we only had 24 hours, we'd be on the phone steady, burning up the lines, trying to get people in direct relationship with Jesus Christ. And we should be about that every moment of every day. Amen? Let's close in prayer this morning. Father, we just thank you so much again for your goodness and for your life. Thank you that you have declared in your word that you are coming back. You're coming back for a church that's about doing the Father's business. Help us to be in that position, God. Each one of us, I pray that we would be working and growing up, that we'd be working towards sharing the gospel, not because we have to, but because we get to, because we want others to enjoy it. You're patiently enduring and you're waiting, Father, for that last person, and only you know that day or the hour. Help us to be about the business of recruiting those individuals who need to hear, hear about you. Bless this time now today, we pray. Bless the people who are preparing the food, who have prepared the food we ask you to just uh, bless this food now in Jesus' name. Bless Robbie and Alan as they're getting ready to travel to California. We want to pray for them separately this afternoon, Lord. But just bless this time, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.